name is Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Diana Pereira. Diana is a 43-year-old Feldenkrais practitioner, co-parent, and transplant from Uruguay. I met Diana without actually introducing myself while we alternated between the sauna and ice bath at her healing and wellness center, Koru Real Wellness. During this conversation, we discuss the tension between her strict religious school upbringing and the Uruguayan wilderness, the difference between reverence and spirituality, and how working as a living statue in Australia taught her the importance of breath. Before we talk more about Diana and this really great conversation, I want to talk about my long-form Sunday's posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical education from the very first anatomy lab of medical school four years ago to now. Uh, halfway through my first month of uh, residency. It's pretty cool. So it's been, uh, I've done over 200 to like 210, 215 entries so far. And so it's just been a wild ride. And uh, you can find these in their entirety online at eugeneh.kim. That's www.eugeneh.kim, K-I-M. Or you can go on to Amazon and find a collected Kindle or paperback edition for your reading convenience. And so uh, more, most pretty recently, I on June 23rd, 2019, I published On Small Gatherings and Anniversaries, or Orientation, a Post-Mortem. This week, I reflect, quickly reflected on this final bit of orientation with lots of psychiatry introductions and the celebration of our second marriage anniversary while at a Roaring Twenties party. Then more recently, on June 30th, I published On Psychosis and the Truth, or the Beginning of Inpatient Psychiatry. This week, I reflected on a tense situation with a psychotic patient, a combat vet with severe PTSD. I learned something new about truth and how attention is the most valuable asset on the hospital floors. So again, you can check those out uh, at www.eugeneh.kim. Now, back to Diana. Diana is here and now, breathing and waking up. Before Diana dies, she wants to live life with awareness and love, to move, breathe, and act in the world at large in, and in her local community as an agent of change, awareness, and joy and to have fun doing what she does best and to keep learning how to be of service to the expansion of better humans everywhere. When Diana dies, she wants to breathe and surrender, to smile, and to embrace death as a continuation of her life, knowing that she lived with awareness of death every day. After Diana dies, she wants to be a speck of love in the heart of those she has touched with her presence and to be a spark of joy and awareness to whoever remembers her. In conclusion, Diana says, smile, breathe, look up. Great and very simple. I love it, Diana. So uh, as I mentioned before, um, I met Diana at Kuru Real Wellness. This is sort of the uh, labor of love between her and Colin, who I will, Colin Kurtz, who I will be interviewing in the coming uh, days or weeks. And uh, they together have developed Coral Rural Wellness, and it's a it's in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, check it out. It's sort of maybe like uh, an hour, I'd say, north south of Philly. Um, so if you're in the area, check it out. It's it's a really cool uh, little place. They have a sauna, they have uh, ice baths, they have a really cool little gym, they have a, a like an activity area where 
at least last I saw, they were doing uh, like ecstatic dance every once in a while. They're doing uh, regular group classes, yoga, kundalini, um, Feldenkrais. And Feldenkrais is a very interesting practice of, um, it's, a, it's not really, I wouldn't, I don't even know how, how to best describe it because I haven't d- done one yet. Uh, but that is a that is one of the main uh, forms of teaching and uh, therapy that uh, Diana practices, and it's a very interesting way of just um, a body awareness and moving your body in different ways. And you know, and, and like you like kind of flip to your left, flip to your right, and do so. And you kind of do so rhythmically. At least that's my understanding. Diana, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. And um, I met her there uh, for the, one of their open houses. They had uh, a ice bath sauna day, and I was like, oh, heck yeah. And this was when we lived in Coopersburg, and we were a little bit closer to uh, the Doylestown area, Doylestown, Doylestown area. And uh, um, everyone else had kind of finished their sauna and ice baths, and I just kept going, and then Diana joined me, and we didn't really talk. We just kind of uh, you know, shared the same space, but we didn't really, I didn't know who she was. When she, I think she introduced herself very briefly, and so did I, uh, but then we were just quiet for like maybe 30, 20 minutes, and it was really nice just to like alternate in our own time and in our own way, and just to like experience the sauna, and if, which you have, if you haven't for a long period of time in silence, it's really a wonderful practice. And then um, a few, a little while later, uh, we con- connected again, and um, they interviewed me for their podcast, and uh, then I was like, hey, uh, Diana, let me interview you. And so that was what led to this really wonderful conversation. And uh, she's a really wonderful, beautiful human. And we talk about a lot of, re- we go into the weeds a lot, uh, like on, on a frequent occasion. And during this conversation, it's in a really great way. Like we talk about, uh, we go off on the didgeridoo for like f- 10 minutes in the best way. I, it was a really great, conver- a great little side note. Um, and we also talk about, um, like uh, we, we nerd out a lot about the importance of breath and why and how does one approach the breath. And we also talk a lot about um, exposure and uh, uh, presence in wild spaces or at least just outdoor non-human spaces and uh, the different ways that she tries to uh, give that practice to her, to her children. Um, it's very, very interesting. And so I think you'll really like this conversation with Diana. She's she's a great human. I think you'll, I mean, her, her slight uh, Uruguayan lilt is just really lovely to hear. Uh, and, you know, listening to this conversation again in preparation for the show notes and stuff like that, I just had a lot of fun listening to it. And I hope that you do too um, and that you are ready for this really great conversation with Diana Pereira on death. It is April 20th, 2019. We're sitting here in my Coopersburg home, and uh, we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Diana, what are the four prompts? I am. Before I die, I want. When I die, I want. After I die, I want. Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt, I am? I am here and now. I'm breathing and waking up. Excellent. What is what is the what is it what does it mean to be here and now? It means to be present to the moment, to this conversation with you in your beautiful home <laughs> where the trees are at the window and the birds are singing. Mm. And I'm getting a little anxious <laughs> right now because <laughs> we said let's record for real. Mm. Uh, so so I am I'm here. Yeah. Is that um, is that a process that you're kind of I imagine you're practicing that process like it, you're never like full it's very hard to be fully present and I wonder have you had moments where you have felt that like full presence 
where it's like nothing else around except for you being in the moment. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Aren't you? We're yeah. Here. Yeah. I mean, we know your baby's there. We know mm. Honey's outside. But is is there anything more than this moment right now? Mm -hmm. There's not. There's what I have to do after this. Mm -hmm. There's what I did on the way here and the beautiful ride. And yet, it's not important because it's past. The ride was beautiful, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And my client's waiting after this. So what, what, this is the thing is I can define myself. I can, I thought the prompt and I thought, oh, maybe I saw it and I thought, oh, maybe he wants to define me to define myself and mm -hmm. to tell you what me is. Mm -hmm. Me as a mother, me as a practitioner, me as a lover. Sure. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that, but I, um, just now, I'm there's, there's really nothing else to say <laughs> after mm -hmm. that. It's a beautiful prompt because it makes you think about the nature of I. Uh, I'm not Diana, really. Diana is a construct, right? Mm -hmm. We want to, uh, I can identify as, as a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, you see me this way. If we have had your partner right here, she would see me a completely different way. Mm. So that proves that I am not that mm. or anything, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, without getting too metaphysical, right off the bat, just, just, to so say, just to say, this is the moment. This mm -hmm. is, there's nothing else to do right now. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's be here. And so I wonder if you had a spiritual or religious upbringing to your childhood. Yeah, I did. Um, I had both. I had a, um, I had a religious upbringing mm -hmm. through school. I went to a school run by nuns mm -hmm. in uh, South America and Uruguay, and they uh, were very, very, very hooked on Jesus Christ and the masses and you know the, the preaching and the, that discipline of the cross and. Um, and I was so lucky to have a spiritual upbringing in the woods and the ocean mm -hmm. um, every summer, mm -hmm. living three months in the ocean and in the, mm -hmm. the woods by my, with my grandpa and almost felt like by myself with my brother, you know, because <laughs> he gave us so much freedom, so much roaming. Mm -hmm. so, so as I rebelled against the religious that I was being fed, almost spoon fed by the nuns, mm -hmm. and I was really bad. <laughs> in school, <laughs> you know, I was a good student with a good good grades, but bad behavior, uh, because I didn't like the force feeding of the religion, mm -hmm. right, and the and the disciplinarian uh, nuns. Mm -hmm. But I, I I was so lucky that at the same time I w I could go into the cathedral of the woods, mm -hmm. and and be in nature as as long as I wanted. I mm. would get home when I was bored, probably hungry actually. <laughs> yeah, and I had tree houses mm. and I had this mm. fantasy world uh, rooted in nature and then the ocean. So I think that created in me this reverence for nature and, and, the, and the knowing that there's something bigger. I, I didn't have words at that time to say it this way. Mm. But looking back, I realized that the spirituality that I find right now in me, um, within others, and especially in nature, mm -hmm. it's rooted back then in, in those years mm -hmm. uh, 
there was really nothing to do <laughs> and very few toys that you needed in the woods were sticks and rocks and pine cones and mm -hmm. leaves and dead animals and mm -hmm. just nature and that formed my my now understanding of what is oneness mm -hmm. what is for me spirituality which is connection mm -hmm. to self and to to the whole and i think that there's a wonderful uh reflection of what you we were talking about before we started the interview about the the, the a space that you provide as you're learning to provide as a practitioner of health increase and the just like kind of stepping back and like sounds like your grandfather kind of stepped back and he's like I don't need to do all of this raising of the kid they, they, you know they, they can kind of do it the, the space will do it in, on its own and I also wonder if the contrast uh, was important for your upbringing the you know the contrast of the f total freedom of the outdoors and and that wilderness versus the the strict construct of the uh, religious uh, upbringing with, with, like, with the school and the nuns and all of that. I wonder how much was that important to developing you now? Probably very important. Yeah, because I am a disciplined, organized <laughs> human mm. right now. Probably because I had that um, seven years, six years. Uh, you know, in, in Uruguay the school is six years mm -hmm. for elementary and middle mm -hmm. together and then six years of high school oh, so the first six years it was just this non regimen mm -hmm. and uh as much as i rebelled i had to do it mm -hmm. right and if you were bad which it was frequent <laughs> you didn't have recess you had to you know uh, stand in line in the main patio one arm between each other and you just stand there for half an hour watching everybody else play oh. you know so it was hard and it was a choice to mm. say i'm gonna still do whatever i want <laughs> suffer through this punishment so that when i read jocko right now he's talking jocko welling mm -hmm. and just talking about discipline says you don't know what i'm what i had to go through jocko <laughs> you know that that torture of not being able to play seeing others play it's deep-seated mm. um, Right, which means that yeah, if you put me in a place where I can't do X right now, or like, we can talk about it in reference to the, to the ice baths or to the little, mini tortures we put ourselves <laughs> through these days. Mm -hmm. That's nothing because in your mind you can do, you can do anything. You can sustain any any sort of, pain. Pain is is a construct again. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a, it's a sensation combination. Right, so. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that formed my ability to to endure some things and, and know that they too shall pass and it's just a temporary situation for for me and the freedom, the complete um, freedom of, of a child, which I, I want to give my children because mm. we have a lot of the discipline and the regiment and the, the structure these days and not so much of that wrong come back mm -hmm. for dinner mm -hmm. kind of thing and um yeah i think then that, that's a great pivot to now how do you provide that uh to your children now because I, from my understanding how old are they uh six the youngest valentina she is six mm -hmm. and the older sophia she'll be nine in may and so those are prime uh ages for you know doing their thing yeah. you know and so how do you um 
how do you provide that freedom, but also how do you provide that structure to provide that contrast? And is that, or is that even something that's important to you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I choose to live in an area where they can be outside a lot by themselves mm -hmm. and have their imaginary walls outside and, and play with the things I used to play with. Mm -hmm. So I see them, um, actually doing things that remind me of what I used to do before, creating your little hideout and putting mm. rocks together and mm. making things out of nature. Uh, and then they go to school, they mm. have a structure, um, they, they follow certain ideas of what I think is good connection at home, like eating together. Mm. Um, sometimes we prepare the food together. We may say a little blessing before the food or mm. go to sleep more or less at a regular time and here and there they need to have a bath. <laughs> you know, so there is some structure and routine mm -hmm. built in, uh, and it's also very fluid. I have sometimes hard time to to stick to to a precise schedule. Like we'll eat dinner at six thirty on the dot. I can't do that, <laughs> right? And I like to listen to the moment and to see where are we? Can we push this a little? Is this time for? Mm -hmm. Can we, do we have to get on with the schedule, or do we can can I listen to where are they? What are they doing? So mm -hmm. they. So it's a, it's a tightrope balance between structure and freedom mm -hmm. and listening to them and what they need and what they're telling you that it'd be better for the whole, which mm -hmm. they know a lot of times, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> besides what you have in mind in your agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some sort of a guideline that I want to give them as a parent, because sometimes I know better, but mm -hmm. not every time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what about a... What about that level of, uh, like, spirituality structure? Like, have you, because you had, it sounds like a Catholic upbringing. Yeah. And I wonder, do you, is that something that you're providing to them? Or is it something more fluid like you're describing? I am not. I, I am finding that the spirituality we find together, we, we connect to together, is probably more in nature than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, it's in... In the enjoyment of you know having walks at the creek, we live very close to the Tahican Creek, mm -hmm. and the, there's a turtle path. Uh, oh. There's a path there full of uh, stone turtles that some community members have done. Oh, Lots of artists there, gotcha. Point Pleasant. Mm -hmm. So there's like stone turtles, and there's a there's a sculpture of an Indian chief that used to walk the path. Mm -hmm. and, and so you know, I think what I'm trying to talk about here is is reverence more than than spirituality at this point with them mm -hmm. so i don't they they have their exposure to church and a lot of that through their dad and mm -hmm. their dad's um were divorced by the way mm -hmm. so so he he has them 50 percent of the time mm -hmm. and they explore some of that with them they go to church they they know about mm -hmm. god and but my God is in the forest, in the mm -hmm. water, mm -hmm. right? That's where I connect. My God is in others. Mm -hmm. I, I see God as love, right? And love is in you right now. <laughs> and the dog that was just pushing on my foot, <laughs> right? So, so I think I connect them to spirituality because we enjoy those moments mm -hmm. with awareness as much as possible. So instead of rushing from one activity to the other, they go to school and then they come home and then we go outside and we play. And they don't do the 24 activities that a lot of kids do these days mm -hmm. after school. And they go, 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 go. So most of our empty time after school is spent 
outside or inside and doing things together mm -hmm. walking the creek or we have a tree house in the rocks mm -hmm. like a root house mm -hmm. and um, we go put our feet in the cold water in April mm -hmm. you know and, and and play with the snow and I just just things that I notice are creating a sense of reverence mm -hmm. in them for the world around them and since we're sharing those moments with each other um, and then I find highly spiritual moments of singing and playing music together mm. where we're just free and doing what we love and like there was a moment maybe a week or two ago where I'm learning the guitar and my little one is playing the drums and just you know a little drum and and the way we just bam we were playing together she was listening to me there was a call and response mm. it was just in that spirit mm. I mean that is connection. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I know they're they're very well uh, balanced in in the structure they receive in in religious mostly from outside of me. Mm -hmm. um, in our in our our love of just living and doing things together that make us happy could be cooking. Sometimes cooking is a similar moment of connection mm -hmm. and co-creation too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I see uh, also something refer like another reflection of something we talked about earlier before the interview starting is your home is this idea of the the, the wonderful time you spent with your grandfather in, in that space, but it's also that it sounds like for your children almost there's that kind of like like that like split time like you know you, for you it was nine months in the in the school and then three months with the like the summers with the, with the, your grandfather and for your children it's almost like. 50% of the time with the father in, in that, that structured environment, 50% of the time in that unstructured, but still a kind of structured environment with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very interesting, uh, like, uh, it sounds like a good split, like the 50-50 or like even the, the two, like uh, three-fourths to one quarter, kind of like, mm -hmm. just like, just enough to sort of really get enough perspective. Because I have this idea of like, your, a child can run away from a village and they can stay in the wilderness or they can find another village. But if they're only in the wilderness and they don't have any other village to compare it to, that first village they find will be everything to them because it will be the only village that they've ever known. Mm. And so having, being able to run away from a village and come back maybe, or go mm. to a different village is important because it at least gives you that comparison of like, oh, this is how things can be different. Mm -hmm. versus, so like versus staying 100% in like the wilderness you know, you would probably never appreciate that level of freedom unless you had that structure and constraint in yeah. those nine months. Yeah, and actually, yeah, that's totally true. And and uh, the school provides enough structure already. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so here I know that we are putting these children to school so many hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think both their, their um, dad and me are the non-structure providers mm -hmm. to balance out mm -hmm. what the school does and how many hours they need to be cared by say a babysitter because we have to work mm -hmm. right so um the only thing that i w wouldn't agree with what you just said is that though they get exposure to religion through um their grandma mm -hmm. their grandmoms actually both of them my mom too um because my mom put me into the non-school right mm -hmm. so she she's a believer too mm -hmm. you know what mm -hmm. i mean um their dad is is very much into overlanding and camping and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. doing all sorts of wild stuff with cars and motorcycles mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and campers. So they go 
wild places, even further than I take them with oh, their dad, I and see. they go camping, mm -hmm. and they sleep in camper vans and outside and sleeping bags, and you mm -hmm. know. So it sounds like it's like with you, they see the beauty of of uh, wild spaces that are very close by. Yeah, and with, the, walk, and with him, walk yeah. yeah, and then with him, he they see like, oh, this is like way further than we could ever they imagine get in a car and go to new hampshire or and like Virginia. see a, a landscape that they've never even seen before yeah 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 and then we both carry you know the same babysitter mm. home to home and they go to this obviously the same school so there's that lay lay foundation mm -hmm. laid foundation of structure that they have mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the school is highly routined though they go to a to a um, welder school right now so mm. they have a lot of time outside also in nature but uh, there's, a, there's a rhythm in the school and mm -hmm. there's work to be done. The one thing that I like about Wonder School, they don't have homework. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, so mm -hmm. they, they do a lot of work when they're there and mm -hmm. then at home it's time to play and, and do other things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's a balance. It's, it's like always dynamic equilibrium. You never have it. You're mm -hmm. always looking for it. The, mm -hmm. the, the balance between structure and freedom. Mm -hmm. But yeah. we need both. Mm, very much so, and a, and a transition between, and if you think you've got it, you probably are living a little bit in the past, and yeah. you're, you're losing it, right? Yeah, illusion. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and what does, what does a spiritual practice for you look like now? Because I know you're saying that it is about being present, um, mm -hmm. and, and finding that beauty in the, in the wild spaces around you, and having that connection. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, is there like a, you know, like that, that's a very, that's the, you know, sort of like we're talking about the structured, unstructured, is yeah. that, that's the, that's the unstructured version. Yeah. But I wonder, is there a structured uh, practice to your spirituality now? Yeah. So, so let's think for a moment, what is there in nature that allows us that connection to oneness? If we can call spirituality this memory, this remembering that we are mm -hmm. not just alone here, mm -hmm. but we are connected. We're mm -hmm. interconnected. We're inter interdependent. Um, so I think it's the elements. I think it's that in nature I get reminded by the tree and the soil when I'm when I'm barefoot and the water and the air on my face that that I am part of that. Mm -hmm. That is in me, right? So I think that's why I love the ocean so much. Mm -hmm. Is because when I am near it and I can smell it and I can see it and wow, if I can get in it. I get reminded that I am water mm -hmm. and I love that yeah so so my spiritual practice these days is using the elements to to bring that memory back home so mm -hmm. home being me <laughs> mm -hmm. like we spoke before uh, so so my breath work is mm -hmm. my practice my stillness uh, sitting or walking meditation is my practice um, getting into the sauna and if I can follow that with a very cold shower mm -hmm. or even better with an ice bath is my spiritual practice and then I'm lucky to be working with people all the time so I make that part of the, the practice though that's a shared practice mm -hmm. uh, but my individual practice these days is uh, meditation breathing that's, you know some specific breath work some exploratory breath work and then the, the element contrast mm -hmm. of fire and ice and breath work mm -hmm. uh, based in movement so movement and the elements that sounds great 
That's a great practice. That's a pretty good recipe right there. <laughs> yeah. Some days it's easier, some days it's harder. Like, mm -hmm. I was late to the interview today because I, I wanted to breathe before I left home. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I say, oh, not, not enough time for that today. I'll do it later in the day. And it, it may happen or may not. It's, not. it's not a practice that I am able still today to do it religiously every day. Mm -hmm. But uh, more frequently than not, I am going through some sort of cycle of that. Mm -hmm. You're not as hard as Jocko, but you're nah, not. I don't wake up at 4.30 <laughs> in the morning anymore. I tried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good, yeah, but you're you're still doing something almost daily, but like with some with some level of structure, but not like that. Like, oh, it's yeah. got to be that way. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, and so you are here and present. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else on that list? Breathing. Breathing. Um, breath work. Man, if I if I can leave anyone that comes. You know, we come we come together and we share a moment. And if I can leave you with anything, it would be breathe. Just be aware of your breath. Mm -hmm. Breathe in, breathe out, hold it. You know, just, just that. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think we forget it's an automatic response from our body to keep us alive. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing tool for altering your state, inducing... Um, anything it could induce calm and, and relaxation and focus it could induce stamina and energy and vitality it can induce that meditative state where you remember your spiritual self mm -hmm. um, it's just pure life right it's the first thing you do when you come out of your mommy's belly and it's the last thing you will do before we know who knows what happens right mm -hmm. on death so so i can't emphasize enough how in awe i am of our breath and, and I'm a learner of the breath, so mm. in no way near I know anything about mm. it yet, but I am, I am amazed by, by the breath. So I have two questions for you then. Um, the first one being, when did you feel like you began to appre truly appreciate breath? Because I feel like it's one of those binary, it's a very binary thing where it's like there's before that and then there's after mm -hmm. that. And then I wonder um, wh uh, who teaches you about the breath now or is it very much are you still just learning through your own practice of it yeah um i'm gonna say the first time that i became aware of the possibilities of the breath or mm. what the breath allowed me so a little bit of background um i was um, i was trained as a musician mm. very little from nine years old on heavily mm. Uh, probably no connection to my breath at that point at mm -hmm. all. But then I went into what kind of mu musician? Piano. Ah, so maybe. not like you Classical know, not like clarinet, not a flutist, like, not, no, not, no, nothing no. like literally involved. Mm -mm. I get it. No, that makes piano, sense. Piano, piano, and probably I was holding my breath a lot as I was playing. <laughs> I was trying to be a concert uh, mm. pianist, so heavy pressure and lots of hours of practice and probably if I could look back if mm -hmm. there were videos I would see my little self not breathing at all, playing very fast. Mm. Um, so that. It was not then, but, but that in, put in me a, an artistic background and an, an interest in the arts in general. And uh, after high school, through high school, I, I did a lot of acting. And then after high school, I went into the acting school for dramatic arts in, in Uruguay. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that was my first introduction to breath as an art, right? Not because I saw the potential, la da da, that comes a little later. But that was where I had classes, really, about breathing and 
singing and mm. using your your tubes right as mm. uh, as an actor you need to to project and the diaphragm all that was introduced to me mainly as information back then and this is 1995 mm -hmm. um, but then there was a moment and this is around 2000 and yeah 2000 when I was in Australia after after the acting school um, I left and I left working as an actress and I kept um, a, a street performing act as mm -hmm. a living statue mm -hmm. that allowed me to travel a lot around the world and one of those trips was in Australia mm -hmm. and in Australia I was saving money to buy a van to go live in it for 10 months mm -hmm. up and down the coast mm -hmm. so I took it as a job so I was on that statue seven hours a day mm -hmm. standing mm -hmm. yeah and that's when I realized that the breath was magic mm -hmm. because that's only the only thing I could do mm -hmm. <laughs> right so out of practice mainly it was not <laughs> like an intentional oh now I'm gonna breathe and through the breath I'm gonna be able to stand for seven hours but it happened that the pieces came together and mm -hmm. through practice of doing it every day uh, my my engine kicked in which was my breath and some sort of um, attention meditative type of attention mainly one day when I, f I saw it kind of popped in in between my brow it was like BAM like a light turn on and I think it was just because I was meditating, you know, seven hours a day. <laughs> and then at some point, at a few months in, something clicked. And then I realized, oh, all I have to do is just breathe. If I breathe and, I am, and I'm calm, mm -hmm. uh, I can stay here without eating. I don't need to take any, so many bathroom breaks. And I can withstand some of the stress that some sometimes would come to me. Mm -hmm. Mainly it was friendly, beautiful interactions with people. But occasionally there were, you know, there was a guy that blew a trumpet on my ear. Things like that, right? Mm -hmm. You're closed eyes, you're completely open. Uh, my statue was all white. So it was a very loving image. And mm -hmm. sometimes these stupid things would happen. Like a guy would touch my breast or some people would take money off my basket. And then you have to compose yourself and go back to work, right? So mm -hmm. that's when I realized, oh, if I breathe, this is easier. Mm. Um, so that's when I think it started and then... I want to make one quick observation yeah. before we move forward. Is that, uh, you know, like little, little what, six-year-old Diana in being bad at school and not allowed to move during recess <laughs> and standing there, arm forward, you know, and then uh, watching all the other people play. And then for some reason, <laughs> this is what, 20-year-old Diana decides, let's make this a job that we do seven hours a day, not 30 minutes, <laughs> right? And I Thank think that's, that's a very interesting, uh, I don't know, what do you think about I that? I never, I never, ever thought of that before, <laughs> I swear. But I see it, I was trained as a statue mm. in my early childhood, great. Yeah, yeah. So I just I was like, I we gotta, I just gotta point that out. It's amazing, yeah, yeah totally, yeah. So where's the, where are we going from there? Well, right now I'm um, I'm learning breath work mm -hmm. uh, with with assistance, of course, because because I want to get better at it. So let's see, um, meditation in general, like pay attention to the breath, is being like a mantra of mine for a long time because mm -hmm. I try different types of meditation, and what worked best for me is uh, just Zen sitting, which you basically sit and observe your breath mm -hmm. and your surroundings. 
so the breath is always been like underlying for me but these days I am learning a lot of um, breathing through XPT which is extreme performance training mm -hmm. and they are uh, using some pranayama techniques and Wim Hof techniques and mm -hmm. their own exploration and Patrick McEwen's the oxygen advantage method and mm. combination of different breathwork breath practices uh, to do anything you can imagine with the breath. So it's some of it is the well known like superventilation of Wim, mm -hmm. uh, Wim's method and holds, but it's also reducing the air intake as in um, altitude training, mm -hmm. um, uh, breathwork or long holds as in diverse apnea training, mm -hmm. uh, activity during a breath hold, like holding your breath and do one minute in an interval bike, mm -hmm. uh, assault bike, or all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Breathing as you uh, swim and perform in the water in an efficient way, so using the breath to perform better underwater. So there's a lot of that that I'm doing right now with assistance of this training which I became certified not too long ago mm -hmm. Congratulations. Um, thank you <laughs> and that I got introduced by my partner Colin Kurtz mm -hmm. last year and uh, fascinated because imagine a breathe breathing freak like me like always interested in breath work and I find now very precise ways to work with it and mm -hmm. expand my potential so I can train harder I can hold the breath for longer mm -hmm. um, like what I'm working right now is in using all these practices to be able to swim 50 meters in one breath. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's possible because there's a guy that holds the breath for 22 minutes. So, yeah. so two laps, I mean, it'll take me what, three minutes, five minutes, yeah, 50 meters, 25, 25. So to it's, swim it's it? completely possible. Yeah. To swim? Yeah, you can. That, that takes like a, like less than a minute right? to swim. Well, yeah. I'm not that fast a swimmer. <laughs> yeah, right. Even yeah. if it takes me three minutes, mm -hmm. let's say. Okay. It's possible to hold the breath for three minutes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's see one concrete goal mm -hmm. that I'm working towards, um, and it's it's part of this extreme performance mm -hmm. training that mm -hmm. I'm I'm coaching and training myself in, and it's. Mm. It comes with a lot of breath awareness and practices, yes. Mm. So I, I am learning from, from others. And I read everything related to breath and research, research studies, mm -hmm. books, the yogis. I watch videos. I'm kind of obsessed with it. I can tell you, nerd out, which is nice. <laughs> and then um, we were talking about your, you know, your sort of what began Koru was your, your realization that you can begin teaching and being a Feldenkrais practitioner. And I wonder how do you bring all of, you know, it sounds like all of this almost recreation, you know, I use quotes around recreation, not as a bad thing, but these other ways that you do so, you, you practice in your own uh, time, but how does that apply to your actual practice as a profession? The breath work? Yes. Oh, it's, it's very important. So at Coru, Coru Real mm. Wellness is a, it's a space in Doylestown that Colin Kurtz, Alex Siegel and I opened. Um, about December mm -hmm. 20 yeah last December just opened this January opening to the public mm -hmm. and what we do there is explore human potential and mm -hmm. create a safe environment so people can reconnect to their resilience their vitality their versatility and mm -hmm. become a better human mm -hmm. uh, 
grounded in awareness, in, in just connecting to what's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little less awake, a little less engaged in life than could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could, could be manifesting as lack of vitality or a little bit of pain or lack of power. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see people from all sorts of backgrounds and age brackets. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that regardless of what they come with as a symptom, or as an issue, be it chronic pain, be it loss of sleep, or um, sex drive, or vitality, or maybe they want to be stronger, or they mm. want to have a better training, or they're already functioning great in life, and they want to reach that next level. Lots of them are breathing, um, under-breathing. Their, their breath is compromised. Mm. They're either breathing uh, through the mouth, or breathing through the nose and taking very shallow, rapid breaths, so mm-hmm. breathing three more times than they need to on a, during a minute, or they're holding their breath during stress and all sorts of moments during the day. Mm-hmm. And if not, if all of that is, let's say, great, and they're abdominal diaphragmatic breath breathers through the nose, and they breathe you know, 10 times a minute or <laughs> something, which is mm-hmm. rare, they're still underutilizing the breath as a, as a tool. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a mind that will never go full. You'll never mine it out. Like there's always more. And there's corners. always more. There's yeah. always more. Because even if you breathe fine, um, how many of us are r- routinely breathing as a practice to say change your state or mm. become more mindful or focused or or stimulate your your stress response in the sympathetic system. So then when you are in that really stressful situation for real, mm. you don't lose your shit because you you've breath you practice it through the breath work, mm-hmm. you know? So I can always find a way to, to induce better breathing in people, to, to allow them to discover that for themselves and then create situations so they, they learn and can practice it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, for the most part, it's just reminding people that they can breathe through their abdomen mm-hmm. and not up on the chest and that they can manipulate the rhythm mm-hmm. and create an effect after that. It's fascinating, mm. especially during the ice baths. When we put people in the ice and they go into hyperventilating and freaking mm. out, and you're right there next to them and you coach them to breathe slowly in through the nose and they calm themselves down in two breaths and then they can stay there for a minute or mm. three minutes and they flip because they can't believe they can do that. Mm. It's like, oh my God. Remember Neo and you had the blue pill? Mm. and the, Well, they said it's... It's a, it's a very good magic pill for people. Because mm-hmm. then you can take that and use it during road rage. Mm-hmm. You can use it during your board meeting. Mm-hmm. You can use it at home when you're having a fight with your wife. And, and to, with yourself when you want to just center and calm down. Mm-hmm. So it's a tool that once you understand it, you put it in your pocket and you take it with you all the time. I can use my breath to change my state. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm breathing all day anyway. <laughs> so all day long I could be tuned into the superpower. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and I'm, something I was thinking about is um, recently I went to uh, uh, Art of Breath, uh, which is like Brian McKenzie, sort of the... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And one of his... And I, I didn't learn very much, but I got... One thing that I learned, not through like the actual seminar itself, was there was one dude there, one of the instructors, his name was Chevy, and he... And like I like I, I model this now off of him because I've never interacted with somebody like mid conversation that would inhale through the nose. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen that model. I would like never seen anyone do that before. And I was like, 
that's possible. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that was possible. I did. And it's a little. It's different. It's a different way of breathing, and it's just. Uh, it's something that you can do, but it's like it's like you you gotta practice it. And yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, I know this is possible now. Sort of like the yeah. four minute mile. It's just like, oh, okay, we can right. do this. Like this is possible. Yeah, and I think this is something we were talking about when you came to our podcast, mm-hmm. um, both and with Colin at Coro, which is, I think we're infinite. Capa- we have infinite capabilities as humans. We just not tapped into most of them. Mm-hmm. So what else can we do? Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can change your breathing, so I don't have to over breathe through the mouth because we're having this chat right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that yet, but I know that um, didgeridoo players and saxophone players mm-hmm. breathe circularly, so they're constantly breathing through the nose, even though they're pushing air through the mouth to to make sounds. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more that available to us in all respects. Mm-hmm. Breath work is just one of them, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, yeah, didgeridoo is fun. is a fun thing to learn. Yeah, yeah. I tried, but it was not. Um, you just need your own didgeridoo. Just, yeah. You just gotta have it and practice it. You know, because I met some Aborigines, mm-hmm. and uh, they, oh, yeah. they, 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 they respect the didgeridoo a lot because mm-hmm. it's, it's main part of their, their yeah. culture, and women are not allowed to play it. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it is a very. It's. I, I could see what. I mean, I, I could see that the that, that is a split. Like, that would be a split. But, sorry, continue. Well, I, I rebelled against it. You can imagine, mm-hmm. I'm like, why not? Mm-hmm. I want to play it. And they would not say much. Um, so, so when I went to Australia, mm-hmm. I was about to finish my anthropology degree, mm-hmm. which I did in parallel. I went to college for anthropology and to the acting school at the same time. And I was highly aware of respecting cultural um, mm-hmm. world visions, right? And, and belief systems. So, not from a place of knowing better. Mm. I was disagreeing with the guy. It was my feminist in training girl Mm. saying, but why can't I? Should be allowed to me as well. And then my my knowledge as a a student of anthropology tipped me into, there's got to be a a bigger reason here that I can't comprehend yet. Mm. Maybe we don't have the words to talk to each other because some of it was in basic English and a lot of what they speak is dialects that mm-hmm. I didn't understand. So I respectfully took that and 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 stopped, mm-hmm. right? Stopped my tra- attempts because that, this was in the context of our Aborigine mm-hmm. guy that we met in, in the community and he was giving us a tour of these woods mm-hmm. where he was showing us how to make a didgeridoo. So this oh, is the tree that cool. you choose oh, wow. and you see if it's hollow or not. Mm-hmm. This has many termites, this doesn't. So this is the one and then we cut it mm-hmm. and then the whole process. Right, and he had other ones done, and he was teaching my uh, the, the the person that was traveling with me, my boyfriend at the time, how to play it. And I said, I want to play it, right? And he said, No. So, so I had that conflict of, but but why not? Mm. But also respectful of, I know this is part of a larger context, mm. and I'm gonna just take that, and mm. and learn more. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't even do it in my free time without him watching me. Right, I just mm. took it really s- seriously. And, and then months later, we are in this beach, who knows where, like, yeah, very far, further away than, than civilization. It was some place where you had to park your car and then walk for eight hours through heavy jungle to get to this beach. So very few people in this beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the middle of the beach, there's no one. And there's this shape coming closer to us. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a shape and it has a stick. And a big backpack, and there it is. It's a woman with a shaved head 
and I did judo on her back. So, you know, like, <laughs> holy shit! She looked like the samurai. Mm. You know, she looked like a, it was it was a, it was a vision coming out of the you know that fogginess mm. in the, when you see in the distance. And she shaped and she's not a man. And she's wearing a didgeridoo. And I'm like, wait a minute. And she tells me, she's a French woman traveling by herself, mm. living on seaweed and fruits and on her own spiritual quest of <laughs> okay. her own. Yeah. And playing the didgeridoo for eight months. Mm. And I said, so how do you like it? And, and she says, I love it. And I said, well, but what about this tradition that you're not supposed to play it? And she says, oh, I play it anyway. Uh, one thing I noticed, though, she says, is that I haven't had my period for eight months. Oh, wow. So that was interesting, mm -hmm. you know? I'm not going to say that's why they do it, and there's got to be something to the... I started thinking, maybe there's something to the breath pa pattern that mm -hmm. changes, or who knows? Mm -hmm. Or maybe she was not meant to have her period for eight months. Mm -hmm. But it's the only woman that I've spoken with that held that didgeridoo plane for so long, mm -hmm. and in the same exact period of time, had altered um, whatever that is, like a yeah. reproductive rhythm or something, mm -hmm. yeah. That's fascinating. It's kind of fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much of this tribal knowledge that is not scientifically explainable mm -hmm. and rooted in something that mm -hmm. they know. They probably... There's a reason why they, they're like, nah. They, yeah. there's, uh, who knows what it is, but it's like, yeah. there there's a, you know, it's like, don't go past this don't go into that forest. Yeah. There's a reason why everyone's been saying, yeah. don't go into that forest. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. Yeah. So I haven't touched it. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. That, you know, you provide a very good reason why you have been hesitant about that. Okay. I love to feel the vibration though when somebody plays it mm. on me actually and they go through your whole body. Like I have my mm. friend Mike, he placed it on your chakras and then it's just amazing. It's a weird, it's, it's, it's something, I've, I've practiced the didgeridoo, I haven't in a while, but it's such a weird uh, practice. It's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, and, and you'll get good at it if you can master your breath. Mm -hmm. If not, you'll just choppy, choppy yeah. sound. Mm -hmm. But if you can breathe like a circle, mm -hmm. you'll, you, you'll be, if you listen to the Aboriginal recordings, I mean, oh my God. Yeah, and well, then, for me, it was that I got the circular breathing, but it was the actual music of it. Like mm. I could, I could, I could make a tone and hold that tone for minutes, but I couldn't turn it into a song. And right. that that transition for me from from this is a breath practice yeah, to yeah. this is me playing an instrument was something oh. that was very difficult for me. Like I couldn't like turn it in. Like you know what I mean? Like oh it, yeah, it was very. I know and, what you mean? And so that was very interesting. And for I me. think without having talked to them about it, I mm. think what they do is they would play these birds mm -hmm. and that other animal. And what I hear a lot in the, the music of the didgeridoo, when I hear it in the traditional music, mm -hmm. is... is the rhythms uh, of nature. It's mm -hmm. animal sounds, it's stomping, it's running, it's mm -hmm. screaming, mm -hmm. it's birds flying. So think about it, right? The guys don't have TV or they didn't mm. <laughs> at that time mm. they didn't have facebook right so what do they do and they are emulating nature mm -hmm. and they're telling stories with mm. their instruments their their sticks uh, create a rhythmic bass mm -hmm. and then there's this didgeridoo uh, melodies and there's a lot of chanting mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. a lot of nature and when you see their dances they're just telling stories about this is how you hunt and this is how you get water and mm -hmm. this is how you run away from that animal and 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, something that I'm also thinking about too is is with that description of like how that music is actually played is a didgeridoo alone is not really how it's supposed to be right. heard. It's supposed to be in a, like, it's not, you know, a, a didgeridoo solo is kind of weird. Oh, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a... you know, it's in, and I think about things like uh, um, uh, capoeira, where you're mm. not, you can't really do it alone, and it's not even, even if it's just two people, it's not the same without the whole circle playing the music, singing the songs, and I think that's yeah. just a very fascinating, uh, and like you, you being a Feldenkrais practitioner, like that's, great but that's not enough that's not enough you know yeah and i want to bring you back home saying that's why we opened coral real wellness mm. that's how colin and i when we started talking about this is what we want to do this is why we want to do it uh it's understanding uh, acknowledging that we don't want to do it alone mm -hmm. that there's no fun in doing it alone <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's not possible to mm. do it and what is it yeah mm -hmm. uh, well we can there's more than one it but it in this case is is this process of growing together and evolving mm -hmm. yeah and it's not a, a, an individual thing mm -hmm. it's in community it's it's through the process of you are now giving me something to think about mm -hmm. that i could maybe ever come um, on it on my own mm -hmm. right so as you trigger in me learning and growth you trigger in me challenge and mm. you mirror where i'm still asleep <laughs> and and we take each other further together we lift each other up and we bring each other down and we spin each other around mm -hmm. and in that dance we evolve mm -hmm. right so definitely as we open this place of um, wellness this place of health it was the the knowing that we want to do it in community we mm -hmm. want to do it together mm -hmm. with other practitioners with a larger um, framework than just, oh, I'm going to do this by myself and I'm going to save the world. And, mm -hmm. No, first I'm going to change myself and look at myself and wake myself up mm -hmm. and then join others that are interested as well mm -hmm. in, in that mm -hmm. uh, waking up together. And then let's, let's see where we can get from here. Mm -hmm. So... So, yeah, a didgeridoo doesn't play the same solo, and I can't play the same solo as a practitioner, or mm -hmm. as a person, as an individual, and neither can you. And, and this is why we have babies, and we keep growing, the, the I think. This mm -hmm. is why w less of us go and live in a cave isolated from the world, and more of us reproduce and create ne networks and continue to see how can we create a larger... Uh, weaving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's um, it's a challenge because a lot of the time we're don't have the models. We're kind of mm. building it as we go. And I wonder if you had any models for Koru of like places where you're like, oh, this is this is what I want it to look and feel like. Mm. We don't have models. Mm -hmm. We choose not to follow models, uh, which is proven difficult in the business aspect of it. <laughs> Because not have, I mean, having plenty of amazing advisors and mentors, mm. uh, which we do uh, in the financial realm, not not as much following this model um, has been the course. We we don't want to, and we are inspired by places like Omega, and I person, you know, the Omega Institute in New York. Mm -mm. I personally am inspired even more so by the Esalen Institute in California, mm -hmm. in, in in Big Sur mainly as an ideal of this place where um, 
they define themselves as a center for human potential. Mm -hmm. So a place that is lucky them in Big Sur, California, mm -hmm. right on a cliff in hot springs mm -hmm. um, of hot water. And, and people from all over the world go there to teach, mm -hmm. to share, to, to find community around spiritual and intellectual and philosophical pursuits. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the, the, let's call it the cradle of a lot of interesting movements back in the 60s, 70s, like mm. cognitive psychology and holotropic breathwork mm. and transpersonal psychology and and a lot of psychedelics mm. and mm -hmm. and a lot. So <laughs> so that's maybe for me my inspiration is to create a place where where we can be a vortex for development in all areas, mm. physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, because we're all one, mind and body is one. Mm -hmm. So all these areas are there to be nurtured. All these buckets are there to be full. Mm -hmm. so, so maybe we inspire ourselves by SLN, by Omega in, in New York, another center of the same sort. Um, yeah. Very cool. And uh, I want to keep going on this route, but I know that we have, we have time. Uh -huh. uh, but we also need to continue on. There are four, three other prompts oh, to carry yeah. on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, is there anything you want to hit on before we move on to the next prompt of Before I Die, I want? I'm good. Excellent. So how do you finish that next prompt, Before I Die, I want? Before I die. Before I die, I want to live life with awareness and love. I like to live every moment fully present, knowing that this life is a gift and to be gratitude in action. To move, breathe, act in the world at large in my local community as an agent of change, awareness, and joy. I want to have fun doing what I do best and keep learning how to be of service to the expansion of better humans everywhere. Mm. I, I enjoyed hearing that. And I also, while you were talking, it sounds like there's no... Uh, when, when somebody will ask, when somebody says, like, I want to... Uh, help many people. It's one of those I, I asked like some clarifying questions in terms of, like is there an end point? Is there a certain number of people you would feel comfortable or like when would you Would you ever be done with this process? You know what I mean? And so how do you kind of like take all of that and and kind of clarify in terms of like, you know How, how, how do you want to approach death in, in terms of what do you want? How do you want to? Uh, continue this process going forward. Yeah, so No, I will never be done Mm -hmm. It's an infinite process. Um, how is by continuously working with myself and improving my own self and mm -hmm. becoming a model for self-improvement, right? So to, to show with my own path, uh, walking my own talk, mm -hmm. that we are continuously looking in and go looking out and becoming more and more present mm -hmm. um, to what shows up and sometimes shit shows up mm -hmm. that you're not expecting right but that's the work yeah mm -hmm. like uh i love that saying what hinders your task is your task mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. uh, what gets in the way of where you want to go is what you should be working on don't mm -hmm. blame it don't curse it just get to work mm -hmm. uh how many humans as many as possible that's one thing <laughs> i have clear uh, for myself and i've known for a long time we don't have to go into that but uh, in one of my life iterations in this this lifetime i've been a dj and i played for large numbers of people and small numbers of people mm -hmm. in mainly new york connecticut new jersey um area and 
I could do just fine a party for 50 people. It was great, private and intimate. But when I had a 400 people crowd, bam, mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. So I know that in me there's something that connects to large numbers of people. I, mm -hmm. I would love to at some point be able to talk and listen to a lar lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe in like a speaking engagement format or like mm -hmm. I want to give a TED talk at some point. Mm -hmm. I want to give a Google talk. I want to be able to talk to influencers and people that are leaders in their community so they can also spread this these ideas. And maybe it's the high energy that comes in there uh, when, when you have a large number of people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm perfectly happy doing one-on-one -on -one work, which I do every day. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, when I have a group of people coming to my group classes and they're like 15, 20 people and I see them in the room and they come very different and ingrained in their habits and hard, hard to open. And then through the process of the awareness class that I teach, that is taught actually because mm -hmm. more and more I'm getting out of my way. So, so some things are just coming. Um, they all become one mm -hmm. <laughs> and they become a little more homogenous in the way they move and they, they're breathing more or less in sync and, mm -hmm. and you see this state emerging on all of them. It's just pure beauty. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's their natural state without the, the heaviness of mm -hmm. the patterning of, you know, holding your breath and folding your spine or whatever it is mm -hmm. that we carry all day, right? So, so that is fascinating mm -hmm. and the more people that I can touch with my voice, with my hands, with whatever it is that I can produce, uh, I would be happiest because I realized that that is uh, more seeds, you know? So you can seed one pot at a time and it's great and you can look at this pot and say, oh, lovely how these leaves are growing and a new baby came out or, or you can just sow a field, mm -hmm. right? And in that idea of sowing a field and leaving a lot of awareness mm -hmm. um, on my path, I somehow get a lot of fulfillment in that. Mm. So how many humans is, I don't know, send them in. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for how long? Forever, man. I found my path. This is what I do. I mm. want to keep doing this until the last breath. And I imagine uh, something that you that came up for me while you were talking, especially when you're talking about like playing to a large group of people and also to, to you know leading a class and seeing the change that happens in that group is uh, there's just something very interesting about humans when we all kind of get on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. And uh, I imagine when you're on the DJ level, to see it happening yeah. is what really... Because like, um, I've, I've done you know a lot of the festival things in my life, and it's just really interesting to see like when, when the music really hits, and then when the pockets of, of like the real of people like really getting into the music yeah. kind of spreads, it's mm -hmm. like a very weird yeah. and it's hard to explain unless you've done it and you've been in this crowd of people that are all just like really in it. Yeah. And you can kind of look around and see where it's like real, like where are the ripples starting and where are they like kind of bouncing back. It's a very interesting thing, yeah. but also to see that on a slower, more, uh, more like, careful speed at like on like a like it sounds like the awareness class yeah. it's just like that's also really beautiful to see just like people kind of like like yeah. just a little bit rather than like you know yeah yeah well i i like to think about it a, fr a friend of mine used to say we are we're 80 90 water mm -hmm. so in our bodies right mm -hmm. you as a doctor can confirm am i right mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like 80, 70, 80, yeah. 80% water. So, so when our water is out of whack, mm -hmm. right, is diseased, mm -hmm. it's, it's not flowing right, let's say. That's what he was inviting me to think about that when mm -hmm. I was, you know, giving my treatments. Now, if I take that as a, as a way of seeing beat bomb mm -hmm. and understanding that merging of frequencies that you're talking about when they are jumping, like mm -hmm. you can say, oh, this is water that I am playing this beat to. Mm -hmm. And it's like all oh, happy drops and jumping and waves and mm -hmm. crushing and yeah, like, like a big spiky ocean, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of white caps. Yeah. Or you can play this tune now where they're all like sinking in and slowly swaying and mm. it's fascinating to see it's very shamanic mm. to feel when you do it when you can throw a song and then they all just get up and they yeah that's what everybody wants to dance to and they blend in and in the awareness class i think it's a more of a process of peeling the onion and layer taking off all those layers of self-protection mm -hmm. that we carry through the day um, and we, we bring into class, and as much as we ask them, leave your shoes at the door, they still bring their shit in the classroom, right? And then, and then we all together, me included, breathe a little slower and become a little more present mm -hmm. to what's happening. And what's happening, unless you're running a lot of lists in your head, it's just that simple movement that I'm prompting you to do. Could be lifting a leg, could be moving an arm. So it tones your nervous system down to a point where you become very still water, like a lake. Mm -hmm. And in that lake, so yeah, it takes about 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 for most people to get there. And when they're this peaceful, big, big lake, I throw a little pebble. Yeah, and that's maybe an invitation to try a new movement, some, a combination of things they haven't done before, mm -hmm. like interlacing your hands in the new way instead of the typical mm -hmm, way, mm -hmm. the no way. Or hugging yourself, instead of the typical arm, the other arm. Mm -hmm. And it feels to your brain like a ripple. It creates a neural pathway that wasn't there before. Or if it was, it's been a while since you were there. Mm -hmm. And you see that ripple, and I make it sometimes a lot larger with, with the, the guiding of the next movement and the next movement, and you see the ripple, and it, it, it's in there, body each individual body and it's in the whole room because they're all exploring with you this new mm. wave this new brain wave and it's quite fascinating because you see that the more you can alternate that with rest in a moment of complete quiet and they go back to the stillness of the lake and then you create another ripple and i don't know it's just my way of seeing it is is as frequencies that move together in a water-like mm -hmm. uh, imagery. Mm -hmm. and and I sometimes I like to make the waves too, <laughs> in the awareness mm -hmm. class. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. we make a lot of waves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jumps and athletic movements. And mm -hmm. it's not always very s slow and small, but it starts there for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that contrast is important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate it because I think that's a very, that's an analogy that, that resonates very strongly with me. It's mm -hmm. just like how to see it. Um, and, and so before we transition to the next prompt, I want to dive into one aspect that hasn't, that, that you didn't really address in your prompts in terms of um, what level of development would you be comfortable leaving your daughters in? Uh, in terms of like, at, like, when would you think like, this is, before I die, this is where I want them to be? Before I die, I would like, uh, you know, 
it's, it's challenging for me to think of them as a product mm -hmm. of my teaching or, or as, because this is the thing. It might sound a little bit uh, difficult for some people to, to, to hear this, but I know that my daughters are not mine, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know that I am so grateful and lucky to be given the job of caring for them mm -hmm. and bringing them up as healthy humans. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a great gift, but I, I don't claim them as my Mm -hmm. beings right so I am actually surprised when I see them unfold in front of me every day mm -hmm. and they bring this <laughs> I don't know from where this this talents and this wisdom and they teach me so much so what can I say if I if I go today I'm happy mm -hmm. because every day that I'm with them I'm giving them my very best mm -hmm. and I am caring for them the best way that I know and I'm learning how to become better at that mm -hmm. And I know that they are amazing, and they're they're fine without me because they're on they're their own. They belong to this big universe, mm -hmm. and they are cared for. So I don't know if that's a good answer for you. Is mm -hmm. I have no goal. I like I, I wouldn't ever say, oh, I would like them to have major in this and that and becoming this independent beings mm -hmm. and self-sufficient, and because they already are. Mm -hmm. You know, they already are independent beings they're happy they're mm -hmm. loved and they know that they're loved so that's that's part of them I think it's really nice that we talk about death because death it's not separate from life the way I, I experience it so I think about death every day I mean I memento mori you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it tattooed on mm. my arm but I have it tattooed in my heart mm. and it's been it's been a while since I have that awareness that I live life today. That's what I think I put um, in one of the prompts. It's like I live life today as as if, as if there's no tomorrow, which means to the fullest, mm -hmm. knowing that I have a process in front of me, and and of course I I want to leave a legacy, and and of course there's more work to do. Knowing that doesn't mean that I'm reckless and just ah, you mm -hmm. know. But I, if I were to get out of your house right now mm -hmm. and a big bus runs over me and I'm out. I, I did what I wanted to do every day and I lived to my fullest and my most present mm -hmm. every day. And I think facing death that way as not leaving things undone or things unsaid or hugs ungiven, mm -hmm. it's why the way I choose to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the idea of like you will you you're already you've you've been doing and you already are doing the things that you want to do with your daughters yeah. and versus the idea of uh, I want them to be independent it's like that like you you don't just give them independence at like some future time when they hit 18 that you have you should be if that is what if that's the state that you're searching for for them they should be independent now or they yeah. should be giving them that independence now versus trying to withhold it until some time in the future independence started the moment they got out of me you know, actually the second one wanted to get out so fast that I could barely hold her in, right? Yeah. And the moment they get out and you hold them in your arms, they're not, I mean, they're not in you anymore. They're out. They're, they're, they're the worlds. Mm -hmm. So all, all you, you can do, all I could do is to be there for them 100% and support them in their, 
in their changes and their moments of, of you know difficulty sometimes and pure joy some other times as best as I could day after day after day and I tell you the second time was easier because the first time with my first daughter I noticed and this was early this was maybe when she was around June's age that she was happy on the floor playing with me say she was playing with this little ball right mm -hmm. And I was already thinking about what are we going to do next? And I knew I had this little book and I knew I had that other toy ready for when she got bored. But she wasn't bored yet. Mm. I was not present. Mm -hmm. And what would happen, and I realized really fast, my daughter was born in 2010, so this is as long as I've been holding on to this knowing, is that because my attention was not in the ball in the present moment anymore, and I was already thinking and looking for that book, she shifted. And mm -hmm. she was interested in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I was getting her out of the moment because I wasn't able to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was painful because I realized, shit, it's so hard to be present. Mm -hmm. This baby wants nothing right now than, other than being fed and, and me having, um, having my, my attention, my presence, right? Which doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, baby, 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 completely on top of her, smothering yeah. all the time. But I am sharing the moment with her without me thinking about the next step or the next step or mm -hmm. the previous step. So it took me a while, but I learned how to just do one thing at a time with her mm -hmm. and be there for her. What do you need right now? And these days he's playing Legos and <laughs> being outside and making flower crowns or whatever it is, you know, looking at earthworms. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard because I want to know what I'm going to do for dinner. or But the moment I deviate from, from being there with them and I'm in my head somewhere else, mm -hmm. oh, they can tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I think it's about that. And the problems will change and the challenges will change as they get older. Yeah. And, and still, there's nothing else to... I think nothing better I could do as a parent than, than to be there with them mm -hmm. as things unfold that's good stuff yeah it's very good stuff and that's something that i am noticing myself with he's starting to get to that age where he kind of knows what we're attending to and mm -hmm. it's a really weird thing yes <laughs> you'll see what i mean real he's, soon like his, his circle of awareness is spreading yeah and, and then he's starting to understand like what is this thing and like what it's very interesting yeah um and like you said earlier like your children are your best your best teachers yeah. if you allow them to be yeah if you don't think you know better than them, and, oh, I'm going to tell you how this is done. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's the same about making rules versus making agreements. Mm -hmm. I'd rather make an agreement with them that we're going to do this or that or so many hours of media, say, or whatever it is, the tough things, mm -hmm. instead of saying, this is my rule mm -hmm. and this is my house and it's done this way because I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times that doesn't work mm -hmm. and it's fixed. And then you can't change it because you make the freaking rule. Mm -hmm. so let's make agreements here and there. That and we, then renegotiate. Yeah, sometimes we, can, we have to revisit them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And it takes both parts. Mm -hmm. And a rule is imposed from outside. Mm -hmm. It's weak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent <laughs> stuff. And, uh, you know, while you're talking about staying present, I was just, but also I was in my head, I was like, oh, we have like 20 minutes left. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's I, tough. I, it's so I did tough. check the time. I know. It's very tough. Um, but that's my role as the interviewer is I'm, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I gotta keep that. So, uh, how do you answer that next prompt when I die? I want, uh, yeah. And I have to say, I wrote this this morning just because I didn't want to 
be like uh, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the middle of it so this is why it sounds a little off because I'm reading from it but I did uh, write it and think about it actually only this morning after I woke up uh, and I became present to what I was gonna do mm -hmm. after I woke up which was this so when I die I want to breathe and surrender to smile I want to embrace death as the continuation of my life knowing that I lived with awareness of death every day so when that moment comes here we are nothing has been left unlived I am awake it's a transition and it's peaceful it's beautiful and I think that it is a strong continuation of these themes that we've talked about through the first two prompts and I wonder why like why do you want that kind of a death experience because um with a lot of death experiences or like uh, wishes for a certain death experiences it can be either from a positive or a negative example like a, a a death that you want to emulate or a death that you say this is exactly how i don't want it to be oh. and so i wonder uh what do you what are those models for you like how has how, what are the death experiences that have affected you greatly mm, that's a good question and I want to say, yeah, I did think for a brief second, I know I don't want to be run by a truck mm -hmm. and have a violent death. Mm -hmm. And I know I don't want to die in my sleep mm -hmm. because I would like to die with awareness. Mm -hmm. I would like to know, knowing that I'm dying and breathing through it. Mm -hmm. You know, as morbid as that may sound, mm -hmm. just because I think about death a lot. Um, and that being said, I don't know what's after, if there's anything after. Mm -hmm. So I don't put any energy thinking about, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to walk a tunnel and hold my father on the other end. That would be lovely, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. So for the same reason that I choose to be present to the, to the moment, as much as I sometimes think about things out there, and then I leave them. Because if I don't know, I'd mm -hmm. rather not mm -hmm. put myself in there for too long. Um... So yeah, again, thinking of a present death and embracing it, like just, just, just knowing that it's okay, mm -hmm. you know? I think the deaths near me that affected me the most have been um, backwards, my grandfather and my father, mm -hmm. uh, and probably before him, um, my grandmother, his mom. Uh, and then before that, I think the death of a cat that I loved a lot, and it mm -hmm. was just my dear pet. So my cat was run by a car, mm -hmm. and I didn't see him, but I heard about it. I was on a camping trip with my dad, and it was like, oh my god. It took me a lot to... I, I, I suffered the loss mm -hmm. of that cat, because I was really close to him, my first pet. And then... Um, my grandmother died with, when I was 15. Yeah. With that cat, so you, there was no, you were never in the presence of the dead cat. No, okay. I heard about and it. And it was all phone. taken care of by the time yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you. I see. I just suffered the loss and that thing of, I'll never see this cat again. Um, and, and it was more like, bam, my pet is dead, you know, mm -hmm. like awful news but my mom told me before I got back from the trip so I didn't get to see him mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she did you know gave me a lot of details so I still have an image of it like he coming back home all like falling apart and stuff mm -hmm. she said he made it home and mm -hmm. yeah so I have I, I imagine the cat a lot but I got over it I think I was maybe nine or ten and then when I was 15 my grandmother died mm -hmm. and that was not that was not good for me I think um, 
Not because I was so close to her, she was a very strong woman that I learned a lot from, but I didn't see her much or spent a lot of time with her. But she was very close to my dad and in support of my dad, um, I went to her funeral mm -hmm. and there was a lot of just crying and grief and and people that I didn't even know hugging me and and, and sharing my loss which I didn't feel like a big, big loss really because I mm -hmm. wasn't really, really that close to her. Mm -hmm. And then she was, or they wanted her to be buried uh, in a place that is maybe three hours away from main city where, where she died. So we followed her corpse in this car for three hours, mm -hmm. right? In like a big caravan. So the whole thing was kind of traumatic. And at 15, I already knew that that was not the right way to do death. Mm -hmm. um, that that was not at all helping, not for you. helping anyone yeah. mm -hmm. not for me not helping anyone really everybody mm -hmm. was completely beating themselves up over over something that I realized she's not there she's not that corpse so what are we doing here mm -hmm. you know who are we following why do we have to bury her over there and, mm -hmm. and cry the three hours I don't know it was just odd mm -hmm. um, and then my dad died when I was mid-20s mm -hmm. And by then I was deeply in my spiritual path already. And mm -hmm. I was meditating every day a lot. And I was doing a lot of, you know, practices. Um, and I realized that the best thing I could do, because I knew I didn't want to do the grandma thing. Mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew I didn't want to go and cry and have everybody hug me and grieve for me. And I wasn't really feeling grief. I was feeling... My dad died of cancer, and I was with him very close to him uh, right after, uh, right until the moment he died. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I've been a little bit separated from him, so I had a moment of awareness that I wanted to be close to him and and reconnect. Mm -hmm. And then he got this cancer, and then he died. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a tremendous moment of gratitude mm -hmm. when I realized, oh my God, I'm coming close to you again, and you're dying. So we did a very beautiful. Mm -hmm moment of reconnection right before he died so when he finally died after six months of severe lung cancer throat cancer mm. yeah, um, it was a relief mm. it was a relief for him it was a relief for the us caregivers of him and i realized that the best thing i could do and i get goosebumps as i tell you the story was to sit in meditation all mm. day light a candle and just help him out because if there, if there was, and I didn't know, um, at that time I didn't have the doubt, at that time, like right now I don't know, but at that time I was sure that there was life after death, and mm -hmm. I was sure that his spirit needed to leave the physical body and go somewhere else, and I realized all I can do, the best I can do right now is to help him out, mm -hmm. to help him leave and transition, and, and for him to know that it's okay to mm -hmm. go. The opposite of sitting and grieving and crying and feeling sorry for myself because I lost him. I didn't lose him at all. Mm -hmm. Actually, I connect with him more after mm. because I had him come into my dreams and it was he was part of a holotropic breathwork experience <laughs> mm -hmm. and a psychedelic experience. So I've seen my dad plenty. Mm -hmm. Maybe in my imagination, right? Maybe it's in my psyche uh, and still, right? So the connection didn't end. So what am I grieving for? The change of shape that now I don't get to see you mm -hmm. and I need to see you in a different way. 
So that was transformative for me mm -hmm. um, to understand death as transition mm -hmm. and our role as uh, supporters of them leaving. Mm -hmm. And were you, it sounds like you were not present for his transition from life to death. Is that correct? Uh, I didn't, I wasn't at the hospital when he passed, mm -hmm. no. Uh, I had been very recently, so I knew the state he was in, you know, physically, look mm -hmm. out. Uh, and I didn't go to the funeral. I sat in meditation and prayed and... and so the last time you saw him phys in this physical sense was as he was alive in the hospital? Yeah, almost, okay. yeah, maybe a day before. Okay. And, um, I wonder, have you been in the presence of that transition? From life to death. Um, with humans, I have not. No, I have not seen any any human die. I, I've seen people being um, died. Um, let's say I lived in New York for a while, and I see people hit by cars and die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, have I've you seen dead people? Okay. On the street, mm -hmm. but not like my dear ones. Uh, what about uh, non-human animals? Non-human? Oh, animals? Yeah, yeah, cats and we're, we're other, in, other yeah. I, and creatures. I guess I guess what I'm getting at is, was there a death that affected you, in which you were physically present for that transition? I guess these people that died on the street in New York that affected me uh, in in a I guess in a negative way because I realized how quickly things can happen. Mm -hmm. And this is probably why I talk about being hit by a bus or being mm -hmm. hit by a car. You know, that that would be for me the the death I don't want to have mm -hmm. because it it really like in a second it flips and you don't even have a moment to to just close anything. Mm -hmm. Close meaning like surrendering. I'm I'm dying. You know, taking my last breath with with awareness, with consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think it's gone. It's gone in a second. That's what I saw happening on the street it's like bam one mm -hmm. second out and then I couldn't stop playing that in my head so I remember seeing that in my mental imagery for a while mm -hmm. yeah and so your death is one in which it's a kind of a slow process that, that an ideal one a, a conscious process mm -hmm. ideally like a moment where even if it's fast mm -hmm. I'm there for it mm. As opposed to being something that, you know, somebody shoots you from the back, mm. <laughs> mm. you know, or, I don't know, a torturous dead, mm. death. Um, and again, I say that without the attachment that it has to be that way, in any way that it gets me, it gets me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's fine. it'll get you. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's going to get me, and I know that it's fine, and, mm. and when... Um, as hard as it is, you know, I became aware of death in general when I was nine. I realized, I remember very clearly, I realized my parents were going to die mm -hmm. before me and things die. It was before the cat died, actually, mm -hmm. before actual death hit me, I somehow gained this awareness of me being an individual separate from others and others and all will die at some point mm -hmm. and these significant dear ones will die before me. And it was really hard. I remember it being like painful to imagine my mom's death, mm -hmm. but maybe ever since I I known and I thought of this person will die and this mm -hmm. other person will die and so will this and so will that and maybe because I work with people right now that have come from near death experiences, be it um, spiritual crises or 
brain injuries or stroke, mm -hmm. I see death close pretty much on a regular basis. You mm -hmm. know, I see the not close as in working in the ER, but mm -hmm. close as in people that have overcame something that could have been uh, the end. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm constantly reminded of the fragility of the human being and and the the power and endurance and and strength of the human being and mm -hmm. how can we choose to to be walking dead or how can we choose to be alive every day mm -hmm. wakeful and mm -hmm. present every day and so what i'm hearing from you is this idea of a very present transition from life to death is one in which you have no models you have not experienced a model for what it could look like for a human to uh intentionally transition from life to death mm -hmm. um that this is something that you're kind of creating and that you want to because i i say this because i i feel the same way i want to transition in a very similar way however i've never been in the presence of somebody that i've never been in the presence of a human that died in a way such that it was a slow tra like a, there was a transition where there was awareness to it it was mm. um just not that way yeah and even something like you know i remember um reading oliver sacks i mm -hmm. love oliver sacks and mm -hmm. he knew he was dying right so that's something that is not unappealing to me that would be okay mm -hmm. right to 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 say oh you have a terminal disease you're gonna die you don't know when well let's create until the last day mm -hmm. let's share the process yeah i'm fucking dying and i know it and it's not a, a bad thing mm -hmm. right so that, if I'm going to think of a model, I think of that sometimes, of people that are coping with their own death as, a, as an unknown by living life fully every day mm -hmm. and continue to share themselves and continue to create more change by, by dealing with, probably dealing with their own pain and, and um, uncertainty mm -hmm. on a daily basis and overcoming that. And on the other side of that fear is great power, I think. Mm, I agree. And uh, I wonder how you finish that next prompt after I die. I yeah. After I die, I want to be a speck of love in the hearts of the people that I touched with my presence, in the spirits of nature, in my writings, recordings, and the traces of Diana I left behind me. I would like to be a spark of joy and awareness to whoever remembers me, knowing that I shared myself authentically every time we met. That's beautiful. And I think that I hear a little bit of how your father is 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 that little speck in you, mm -hmm. and you is that sort of the model that you have in your head in terms of like how you want it to you want to be present for others after you're dead. Yeah, yeah. My father, my grandfather, mm -hmm. uh, mentors that I had that have passed, um, almost like um, knowing that if I am able to be here with you. Mm -hmm. And we had this moment and and I shared myself authentically with you right mm -hmm. my my light and my darkness and my doubt and my knowings and just just here mm -hmm. me right uh, it's pretty black and white right like I'm wearing <laughs> black and white today uh, simple right and, and it's complex but it's also very simple mm -hmm. right and, and it's an unknown of what could be possible tomorrow if we keep meeting and talking it feels great right now. I feel this love for you. I feel mm -hmm. this connection, right, don't we? Uh, that's good. And then if I die, and you one day think of me and think of this moment, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. What else could I hope for, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I was tempted to think, oh, how I would like the world to be and how I would like things to happen. And still, that's beyond my my touch right now. So mm-hmm. all I can do is day to day move through the world in this way and mm-hmm. touch one person at a time in the most authentically way that I can. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging because it comes with its own set of challenges to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to be authentic and compassionate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I can be very brutal mm-hmm. in my honesty. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to be more in love and kindness and compassion in, in authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is more difficult than being brutally honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be it can be almost it can be too much fun yeah. and it can be it's not love. It's not know, love. Just, you know. Right. So that's the work, right? And, mm-hmm. but if I can do that until the very last breath, then I know that after I die, things will be fine without me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I would have given my best. Mm-hmm. So then I'll be just a speck. Mm-hmm. I'm still just a speck. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a walking, talking speck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think you've touched on a lot of the ideas that I would like to hit on, but I just want to, the question that I like asking um, is how do you imagine the deep future? And I, by deep future, I mean 500,000 years from now. Or ten hundred thousand years from now, like what do you what do you even imagine that like far future, like when you think of that, and I kind of present that far future. What do you think of? Where do you think of? And how does it even resonate with you? Oh well, I'm very futuristic, and I love sci-fi, and mm-hmm. I love um, all things in the you know imagination of the future. So I went immediately to this planetary existence where we're all like intermingled with cosmic creatures from mm-hmm. other planets and mm-hmm. AI uh, has found a way to make us more intelligent mm-hmm. by reducing the reactivity and the emotional biases that we have and just connect for towards a better future. So, so intelligent in the energy use and intelligent in the amount of waste we produce and intelligent in the... Let's get rid of all the nuclear weapons, shall we? Because mm-hmm. they won't do any good, right? So AI coming in to assist us to become to be better hu- humans, mm-hmm. um, and I think it'd be it'd be so fun to be able to co-create with other beings. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're alone in this universe, you know. I mean, I think we're so limited in in our goals that we haven't explored enough of our inner environment. Um, to be mm-hmm. able to to come out of ourselves enough with mm-hmm. with that intelligence that will allow us to connect to other beings, and if we evolve a little more, mm-hmm. we may be able to find life in other universes mm-hmm. and and connect. So I can imagine a world where we could hear the plants and we could listen to the to honey and mm-hmm. in in a, in her language, right? And be more sentient than just in the mind, and then. Um, I think it's it's gonna probably be highly technology driven, with with emotion, with mm-hmm. with sensitivity. Hopefully, so not not a not an apocalyptic future. Though I sometimes watch those movies. <laughs> I want to be prepared for that, mm-hmm. but uh, I am an optimistic mm-hmm. by nature. So I'm always gonna look at the half full glass mm-hmm. and and uh, hope for a future where we're more connected and tolerant, compassionate, and learners infinite learners yeah and i think you'll resonate with this is just like an idea that i like is 
Uh, a question that I like to ask people sometimes is, uh, do you think we know 1% of what there is to know or 99% of what there is to know? <laughs> I know 0.0001%. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I get glimpses. Mm. I get even. I don't even know sometimes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know this much, but I have glimpses of things that are that are not knowing. And then I have some knowledge, um, you know, mm. anatomy or biomechanics or whatever things I use for my work. It's knowledge. Mm -hmm. We can check it out. Yeah, it exists. But that knowing that I'm most interested in. Uh, under one percent <laughs> there's so much to know thank you mm -hmm. that there's so much to know yeah. to learn yeah and so we've been talking for this lovely hour and a half and um took a little you know this you know we we hope we could have done this outside but we have the window open so at least we got that we can hear the birds and i know uh in this last moments i want to give you the floor to speak to the audience directly whoever's listening to this microphone in whatever future uh, whether it is your daughters or whether it's somebody who has been in your, you know, your lakes and mm. you've, you've rippled them in some ways or you just rippled them through this conversation. Um, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to, to be here to talk about us, to talk about death, to talk about life and to ask the important questions that need to be asked. Um, because I feel that a lot of the prompts brought me back to my, to my questions mm -hmm. of what is important to me. So I thank you for that. I want to invite everybody to check us out, Coral Real Wellness. Um, maybe we can put in the notes how to find us. Mm -hmm. um, we are Coro is our website. I am Diana Breath uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, Diana Breath now on Twitter. That's where I put some of my musings and questions and glimpses of awareness mm -hmm. uh, to share with the world. If I am to say something, it's just, uh, you know that Tim Ferriss has a, that billboard thing. So, so I created my own billboard, which is smile, breathe, look up. And that look up is maybe look forward more than up, but up up from your screens <laughs> and into the into the horizon and I think if we're just able to to just create the possibility of a smile not even a full smile but just mm -hmm. just not the not the grin and the worry and the, the tense jaw but just the possibility of a smile and in a deep breath the rest will take care of itself so I would like to invite everybody to take a moment to just take a deep breath and be here now and thank you all for listening, if you got this far. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This has been Diana Pereira yeah. on Death. Thanks.